Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, and today we have the whole gang. I'm joined alongside my partners, Ed Hunt and Angelo Carriero. How are you fantastic gentlemen doing today? Good, brother. Good, man. How are you doing? You guys, I'm doing fantastic. I mean, it's a beautiful day outside, and I'm talking about the NFL with you guys. I mean, does it get better than that? I don't think it does. So no complaints on my end of the deal, you guys. I'm super excited to be here. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be talking, we're going to do something similar to last week. We're going to cover our uh, NFC and AFC East teams, then cover their draft, go through who had the best, who had the worst. But before we get into that, there's some big news going on in the NFL right now, and the Eagles are getting loaded, you guys. They're getting loaded, for crying out loud. They just picked up James Bradbury, uh, who was recently cut from the from the Giants due to cap concerns. But man, you pair up Darius Slay with James Bradbury alongside all of those other pickups. Boy, the Eagles are looking good, you guys. I didn't think this was going to be a team I would really have high expectations for going into next season. But after all of these moves, that roster is looking legit. And if Jalen Hurts can put it together, I mean, that's that's a legitimate, legitimate playoff team. And I might make an argument that's the best team in the NFC East. Well, Angela, without any further ado, I mean, talking about the Eagles, that's one of the teams you had on your list. Uh, you Would you mind giving us a rundown on, on how you thought the Eagles, you know, in my opinion, I thought they killed the draft, but you might have a different one. Uh, no, I, I wanted to actually hit on the James Bradbury thing for a second because I think that that's really important in a retrospective context to their draft that they even did better because cornerback was one position that they could have identified as a need for their team to pick up. And instead of doing it in the draft, which I love what they did, they go out and they get a proven, you know, a proven veteran football player that obviously was the best corner on the Giants, so they take the Giants' best corner and make him their second-best corner. That's that's a that's a pretty amazing pickup, actually. I mean, imagine if they would have... if they could have pulled off the Russell Wilson trade with everything that they've done. That they, they would be Super Bowl contenders. I actually agree with you. I think they've jumped Dallas as the team in the NFC East. It's, it just all hinges on Jalen Hurts' development, but this team is absolutely ready to win now. So we could go to their draft. Uh, they had uh, only five picks, but we'll get in more into that and in in why they only had five. Uh, obviously, uh, Jordan Davis being at the at the top, uh, their the twelfth overall pick of the draft. Cam Jurgens, Nakobe Dean slipping all the way to the third round due to injury concern. Kyron Johnson and Grant Calcaterra. I, I thought their their draft grade. I gave them an A, like a, just a flat A, not an A plus, not an A minus, just like a direct A. Uh, I think they got a obviously a huge boost from the two trades that they made, uh, and, and it's like I said, the Bradbury thing bringing it in is just a, 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 the cherry on top to this off season that they had. But the acquisition of AJ Brown and the New Orleans Saints' 2023 first round pick, as well as the 2024 second, it, they are building a foundation to their team, as well as having the now. 
which is pretty wild, especially for a team that had fallen off. And I think a lot of people, at least myself, in that thought that they could be contenders for the number one overall pick in this draft. And instead they made the playoffs and now they look like they could be have a Super Bowl window, which I mean, how what, what Harry Roseman's done in Philadelphia is I think any fan of any team would be jealous of what Philadelphia is doing there. Jordan Davis may have his warts on tape, but he's just one of those athletes that I really don't blame you for taking. Uh, he's He's got every single measurement you would look at for an athletic freak and then add that he's 6'6", 340, 50, 60 pounds. I mean, he's, he's literally one-of-a-kind human being. So to take him, even if he ends up not being as productive as you hope a 12th overall pick could be, I mean... It is what it is. I mean, he'll wreak havoc in the run game, and he has uh, athleticism to develop as a pass rusher. Cam Jurgens, he's just a pick that's the you know the Eagles are being one step ahead. Uh, Jason Kelsey, he's not going to play much longer, and it's important to find a replacement for a guy like that. And Cam Cam Jurgens, he's he graded out as super athletic, and I think that with NFL coaching, that he's just going to get even better so he gets a year to kind of sit and then with Landon Dickerson and him in that interior of the line you really start to figure out the future of the Eagles offensive line Nicobe Dean obviously uh, along with Malik Willis suffered the the most stunning drop on draft day uh you know rumors are rumors but people say that he may have to redshirt but the Eagles have come out and said not only will he not have to do that he should be able to participate in their camps like their rookie mini camps and doing all that so uh, obviously he's healthy enough to them and if that's the case uh you know maybe they would have taken him in the second round but that's neither here nor there uh he's still one of the best linebacking prospects in the draft he's gonna fill in a hole that they haven't had uh in a long time which is a true playmaking linebacker and then on day three I like the Grant Calcaterra pick even though Brendan said he was an overrated uh bum but uh (laughs) (laughs) but uh he's a former four-star recruit from Oklahoma he had a ton of concussion injuries but he decided to come back Uh, he said he was going to be a firefighter but decided to come back and play football he seems like a guy that could be a low-end number one tight end or uh, just a really good number two tight end on a roster. So if he stays healthy, I think you've got a startable player. Yeah, I, th- I thought they had an amazing draft. Oh, no, I, I agree with you. I, I, t- I think, in my opinion, it was a top three draft in the entire NFL. And one thing that I really liked about it is you, you kind of mentioned it is they, they, they have the now, but they also were getting, you know, they were getting guys to looking just like a year ahead, like you mentioned getting Cam Jurgens to replace Jason Kelsey, who's, you know, been battling injuries, getting old. And then Jordan Davis, they just brought back, uh, they just re-signed Fletcher Cox to a one-year deal. So you're not throwing Jordan Davis right into the fire immediately. I mean, he has a chance to sit behind one of the best to do it of the last decade. Like, it's, it's really not a stretch to say that this team is a legitimate contender in the NFC. Now, obviously, a lot of that relies on Jalen Hurts, but you know, with the trade they made to acquire the already proven A.J. Brown, because, you know, with the exception of Devontae Adams, we know their track record drafting wide receivers. So they finally have that figured out. They, I mean, across the board, this football team is super impressive, super impressive. I, I truly think it's one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. I think they did a fantastic job putting more weapons around Jalen Hurts and also focusing on the defensive side of the ball. 
you already had a defense that lived up way higher than expectations last year. Now you bring in a legitimate, I mean, this James Bradbury was a cornerback number one, and you have Darius Slay, who, you know, is arguably a top five cornerback in football right now. Just two two number ones. So not not even including everything that they've did in just the draft, but everything that they've done to attack this football team is has been phenomenal. And honestly, I like like you mentioned, the Kobe Dean falling all the way was the the worst fall aside from Malik Willis. So you got first round you, how many first round talent players did they get? They got AJ Brown, they got Nicobe Dean, they got Jordan Davis. It they killed it, Angelo. They killed it. I agree. I think A is is probably you get to get an A plus, I mean you have to have a perfect draft. I think they had a darn, 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 darn good draft. But um, to me, absolutely top three draft in the entire NFL. I'd just like to jump in and say, Nicobe Dean, um, you know, he, he uh, you know, he changed agents and you can understand why he did that. You know what I'm saying? The fact that he was gotten so late in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Angelo, why don't you bring us, bring us on to your uh, next NFC East team draft rundown? I don't think this one is going to be too uh, too, too controversial. Uh, the New York Giants are next in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they just absolutely knocked it out of the park with their first three picks, uh, especially the top two. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, I think you could have easily seen him go as high as number one, and people wouldn't have really questioned it all that much compared to the guy that did go number one. But I thought he was a definite <laughs> top three pick. He he ended up dropping to to five. The Giants hid their admiration for him well, and it worked out for them. Uh, Evan Neal, they, they get whatever. If it's the first or second tackle on their board, to have three prospects like Aquanu, Neal, and Charles Cross at the top, you're still getting a, a top-tier prospect. So to go Thibodeau at five with all three tackles available, it was just one of those chestnut checkers draft draft decisions by their front office. And then Wandale Robinson in the second. I mean, everybody know, here knows I'm a Kentucky guy, but I think that the <laughs> longer we get away from the Wandale Robinson pick, the more people seem to actually like it. And I think people are going to be really ple- pleasantly surprised by Wandale uh, in New York. Uh, in the third round, they go Josh Azudu from North Carolina, uh, which, sh- I mean, to be honest, it's it, it's it's not funny, but it's funny to me that they picked two North Carolina offensive linemen in this draft when I said that North Carolina's offense looked like an elite starting NFL line and they played <laughs> like the worst power five offensive line in college football last year. So it's the look like Tarzan play like Jane type model where it's like they get these two guys that just look amazing, but like they are, that line was awful at North Carolina last year. The reason why Sam Howell, who we'll get to in a little bit dropped so far, Uh, they got Cordell Flott in the third round, uh, Daniel Bellinger, Dane Belton, Micah McFadden, DJ Davidson, and Darren Beavers, who I think you're a big fan of, aren't you, Brendan? Yeah, I like Darian Beavers a lot. Yeah, you're a big fan of the Beavers. Uh, It's just uh, they had a very, very thick uh, day three. So overall, I gave uh, the Giants a B, a flat B. And I know that's going to seem a little low, and I'll get to it here in a second. But the Giants, they they made a gigantic splash 
in the draft. They selected two of the top prospects. Uh, ultimately, to me, and I know that Ed doesn't like this. Uh, Brandon, I'm not sure if you're on board, but this is my narrative, and I'm sticking to it. This will be remembered for Thibodeau and whether Evan Neal and Kadarius Toney were worth giving up the chance to select Justin Fields. So let's go to the fifth pick. They didn't overthink it. They took Thibodeau. Long been a top prospect in this draft. And to me, even slipping to five, it's a steal for the Giants. He has the talent to be the next Lawrence Taylor and Michael Strahan. Like this generation's version of it. I think it was a phenomenal pick by the Giants. And like I said earlier, they played the numbers game. They had their pick at the offensive tackle litter. So instead of pulling the trigger at five, they waited, got a pass rusher, and took the tackle they liked. Uh, Evan Neal, as much as I've had my qualms, there, there are things to like. Like, he was a top high school recruit. Like, he's been pinpointed for a long time. And he started multiple years at multiple positions on Alabama's offensive line. So if he busts, it's not for the, not for the lack of, of identifying his positives. So it, I, I'm, I'm more willing to be like, hey, Regardless, you took a chance on someone that could develop into a really good offensive lineman. It's fine. So, Evan Neal, I thought those top two picks were great. Many believe that, like like I said earlier, Wandale was a reach in the second round. I, I don't think that's true, and I think people are going to see that going forward. He's not a small receiver. He's a great receiver that happens to be small, and I, I've told people this a lot. Think, think Carolina Panthers great Steve Smith. In, that, in the terms of that. I think Wandale Robinson can be a really good wide receiver at the next level. Uh, the draft to me, though, why they get like a B, it really fell off from there. And as much as I love the top picks, I think that you could look at the rest of the draft. Like, you know, like the Izudu kid, he, he's his line was dreadful at North Carolina, but maybe, maybe he was the one bright spot. But to be honest, I thought there were five dim ones on that line. <laughs> Cord- Cordell Flott didn't receive the hype as many of the SEC corners in this draft, but, you know, he could end up being better than the guys picked ahead of him, like a McCreary or, or an Elante Taylor. Uh, he, he, again, fits that look player. Like, Wondell Robinson's really the only guy in their first five picks that doesn't look the part because of his height. Everybody else looks like an NFL player, including Flott. So that's someone that I'm interested in seeing. And uh, through the morass of their day three, and again, it's just their day three was just a lot of backup defensive players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least Dane Belton intrigues me. Uh, he had a, a really good athletic profile, and uh, he had tremendous production his final collegiate season in turning the ball over. So I even even looking back at it with the solid B, I think some of that was the Evan Neal stuff slipping in as well as just I don't know what you're getting out of this draft outside of the top three with as many picks as they had. Uh, so, I mean, I could be convinced to a B plus. Trust me, I, I, I could see it. Uh, but I couldn't give this draft an elite grade simply because uh, after the first three picks, you had a ton of them that just doesn't, you know, I, I don't know how many starters you're getting out of the future. But it could be no lower than this because I value your your top three your day one day two picks and I thought that their first three picks you know my feelings with Evan Neal aside I thought they were they pretty much hit it on the spot let me jump in with one criticism of the Giants just a small criticism I'm not impressed with where they are at the linebacker position and you can sometimes get one in the fifth round I mean why why didn't they why didn't they do that that's I mean you know why didn't they they, did but I mean why didn't they get a guy who could who could play for them I mean, they drafted Micah McFadden in the fifth round, 
And Beavers in the sixth, so they went for it. But now they're sitting. Now they're sitting there with uh, Crowder, Tay Crowder, and one other, one other not not great player. So they, well, you just asked like why they didn't pick one in the in the middle rounds. I mean, they did though. So I mean, it, it's it's to where it's to where I think they just feel. I mean, if you look at it, the Eagles are very similar in that they, they don't value – like a lot of teams don't value linebackers as much. It just depends, I guess, on your defensive scheme. What are your thoughts, Brendan? So I'll jump in here. Yeah, I um, like you mentioned, the first three picks I love. I know um, as we've kind of gotten further out, more and more people do like the Wandell Robinson pickup. Uh, to me, I love the player. It's just I, I really did think they were going to shop Kadarius Tony, so the pick did make a lot more sense to me. And I feel like he brings somewhat a similar skill set that Kadarius Tony does. So uh, I'm in, I'm interested to see how that plays out because they, you know, the, the further out we've gotten, they've said, you know, no longer we're looking at shopping him. But still, it's it's hard to pass pass up on a player like Wandell Robinson, and I, I really think they're going to be able to utilize him. Antony in a lot of different ways but you know kind of in the back half of the draft you mentioned you didn't you didn't love it as much and I can absolutely agree with you but uh the Giants defense last year was actually it was a lot better than a lot of people you know want to give it credit for it's not like it was blowing people out of the water or anything but it was it was a above average defense and I really think that um to the linebacker thing yeah Blake Martinez maybe isn't the best in the world but that's a guy that's going to, you know, be top 10 in the league in tackles if he's healthy, you know, year in, year out. That's what he's been since coming in the league. And you get another guy like Darian Beavers late in the, I mean, in the sixth round. I truly think Darian Beavers is a guy that's capable of starting alongside Blake Martinez. So uh, to answer your question, Ed, I do think that Beavers or even Micah McFadden could could potentially be that, those starters. But like I've mentioned in one of our previous podcasts, I do really like what Beavers brings to the tables. And I, I really think that the Giants' front seven is going to be a tackling machine. It's I really honestly think that the way they attacked the second half was pretty smart because in positions that they were, you know, maybe pretty solid at, they now have depth on top of that. You know, I, I the linebacking core was very slim. Yes, there was not much talent, but... If you do get a, a healthy Blake Martinez, you're not complaining about that. And if you can pair a, an athletic Darian Beavers alongside him, I I actually really, really like the way they attacked it. But overall, I think a, around the B range is fair enough. The first three picks out of the park. The last, the last back half was pretty much all depth. But I love, I truly do love the players they selected as depth. I, I personally, I don't know a bunch about Cordell Flott, so I can't say uh, if I love that pick or not, I do think corner is going to be a big hit for them next season after losing James Bradbury, but I'm, I'm excited to see how that plays out. But um, with the exception of secondary, I love how they attack this draft in, in entirety. I guess just my thing was it felt like that they got a lot of depth more mm-hmm. than, than getting players uh, right away. But day three, that's kind of what it's for. So like I said, I think um, I could be convinced to uh, bump the grade up just a little bit. I, I'm, I, I'm not. I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I, I just wonder with who they took, how much production they're going to get outside of their top three, mm-hmm. and and of course the thoughts that I I have on Neil. But again, I, I I gave them more credit than not because I really do feel like that to have that the top two picks the way that they did. I don't fault teams that go after, 
you know, pedigree, athleticism, like those types of things, I, I think that you're more likely to hit than not. So I, I, but trust me, I thought the Giants when we did our, um, when we did our draft of the top ten drafts, the Giants were in there. I think you picked them, but I would have picked them. They were in my top ten drafts in the league. Yeah, and if if I could add one more thing, actually, um, I I think they might even be able to get an offensive starter in uh, Daniel Bellinger, the tight end from San Diego State, because uh, I I think after release or I think they either released or traded Evan Ingram, and he's now over in Jacksonville. But their starting tight end is Ricky Seals Jones, and as a Browns fan, I know a lot about this guy. I think he's a fantastic number two, but. If, if somebody can prove themselves, if one of these rookies can prove themselves, they have a legitimate shot at getting that starting role in New York. So that's just one more thing I wanted to add. We didn't really touch on the tight ends too much, but... Just out of curiosity, uh, would you would you justify like taking a running back early second round for them? I give Saquon Not in this another draft. year. I give Saquon another year. Yeah, I'm the same way. I would have you could have you could have picked someone like if they if they instead of Bellinger if they would have picked Zamir White like in day on day three you know early day three or if they would have picked mm-hmm. Damon Pierce or something like that I would have been like ah oh, okay like I get that uh, but early second round I think it would have been just uh, just a spot too soon when if Saquon just doesn't work out a guy like White could have handled the load for a year. No, I I couldn't agree more. Angelo, I think that does it for our New York Giants. It's kind of weird. Uh, a lot of the teams we're talking about today are kind of infamous for just absolutely doing horrendously bad at the draft. But uh, a few teams we're going to be talking about are actually like kings of the draft, top five, top ten drafters. So it, it's just so funny to, to see how backwards the NFL is becoming nowadays. But uh, without any further ado, take us into your next team, my friend. My next team is the Washington Commanders. Uh, obviously, uh, number one Jahan Dotson fan in the draft will think that it's <laughs> it's far too low, but uh, that was their first pick at 16 after trading down with the uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, they passed on Chris Olave and Jamison Williams uh, and Traylon Burks for Jahan Dotson. So that's I mean that that, that pretty much tells me that the, he was third on their board at minimum. So that, to me, was a little shocking. Uh, Fedarian Mathis in the second round, uh, Brian Robinson in the third round, Percy Butler, my number one quarterback, and I think I had him 10th overall, so like the, 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 the shame can come upon me, <laughs> but Sam Howell going with the first pick of the fifth round. Uh, Cole Turner um, uh, out of Nevada in the fifth. Uh, after, after his horrendous showing in Game 7, Chris Paul, the guard, re-identifies from Tulsa, goes at the bottom of the seventh. And then Christian Holmes, the cornerback from Oklahoma State. I gave the Commanders a C plus, and the plus was definitely from Howell, and I'll, I'll get to my reasons. The Commanders' rebranding begins with their new wide receiver and potentially a franchise quarterback. But did Washington get value at the top? John Dotson was considered to be a potential first-round pick, but it wasn't a certainty. Going ahead of Traylon Burks was definitely a surprise, and then couple that with the opportunity to draft Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. They're betting that Jahan Dotson is, you know, let's say better than Emmanuel Sanders at this point, <laughs> if you're going to have him as the third overall <laughs> wide receiver in this entire draft. I mean, this is I mean, they, they definitely have a lot of faith in this guy. Uh, Dotson has great hands, and he's a shifty route runner, but 
size-wise and necessarily with the elite physical traits, like he has really good ones. I don't know if he necessarily profiles as a number one receiver. Uh, it's interesting because Terry McLaurin isn't necessarily the biggest wide receiver in the world either. So they, they really are going with a specific type. When they sign Curtis Samuel too, they definitely want to go small and fast and route runny compared to, to have any size. Fidaria Mathis was a really perplexing selection. Not only was, in my opinion, Mathis a reach at 47, they already have two Crimson Tide defensive tackles that are better than him. Uh, but Jonathan Allen got an extension and Deron Payne hasn't, so I think this is pretty much the writing on the wall that Payne isn't going to be uh, re-signed. I, be- I believe that. I believe that. Yeah, I don't. I, I I don't like that. I don't I don't like the you know when you drafted their their Deron Payne, you already had Jonathan Allen. You knew what was coming, and I think Mathis is a significantly worse prospect than Payne was. Like I, I'm just not a Mathis guy. I, di- I didn't like that pick, especially when you had Malik Willis and some of the other players on the board. Uh, but they they're going for the future. They have to replace someone, and they went for it. Uh, speaking of the Crimson Tide, uh, Brian Robinson. Was picked in the third round. Uh, he, I think he's a great compliment to Gibson because where Gibson is a multi-purpose threat, he is not a natural runner at all. And Robinson's a terrific natural runner, but he's not really going to give you anything else. So it's really, it's really a great fit, and you can even play him on the field at the same time where they're like, all right, we've got Robinson to actually run the ball, and now Gibson can be – I mean, I have this hot take I haven't sent by you all um, yet, but – or maybe I have. I don't know. But I think that the I, th- I think that a hot take of mine is that the running back position in the future is going to just be wide receivers. Like really physical wide receivers are going to play running back. Like we're not going to have natural runners anymore. And Antonio Gibson is the example of that. But no, no, the NFL still values real runners, and that's why Brian Robinson was picked here. And then my my grade. The reason why it gets bumped up to a C plus is I thought they had the best pick of the entire draft. Uh, Sam Howell at the top of the fifth round, where I had him, you know, obviously tenth overall, obviously high, but uh, he drops all the way to the top of the fifth. Um, like I said, he was my top quarterback. He he may lack an outstanding physical trait. Like he's not overly big. His arm isn't the strongest in the draft. He's he's not the fastest player in the draft. So physically, Sam Howell at the position leaves some to be desired, but I thought he had the most complete and well-rounded game of playing quarterback out of the top prospects, and I thought he had the physical skill set to play in the NFL, but again, it's always about those margins, but I I think he is, I, I thought out of all the quarterbacks, he played the quarterback position best out of all of them coming into this draft. I think you can make an argument for Pickett and possibly Ritter, whereas Corral and, and Willis are viewed more as like developmental guys. But I, I really did think he was the best quarterback in this draft. I think there is real Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins potential value where they were day three picks and ended up being, you know, multi-million dollar starters in the NFL. And that's why I bumped their grade up. Uh, I'm just curious. Carson Wentz, you know, he has the job. He's the, he's the starter, but... Do they have they pretty much said like you know if Carson Wentz doesn't work out and Sam Howell shows something in camp during the season and practice that he might be he might be the quarterback of the future? I haven't read anything on it. Like I I, I really haven't gone into what they've been saying out of camp or what what the what the Commanders have said about it. I, I think that would be uh, I think that would be season suicide if they did that because why would you trade? 
two thirds. I mean, you already traded two thirds for Carson Wentz and picked Sam Howell in the fifth. I mean, that, that would just that would just end your season before it started. I think that the expectation, just in terms of value, would be that Howell is clearly competing for a backup spot. With maybe in the back of the brass's mind that if something goes wrong with Wentz, that they give Howell a run similar to Davis Mills and see what you've got going into next year's draft. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Angelo, I'm kind of on the same page as you. I think you know. Getting Sam Howell at five was in round five was absolutely unreal, and I had him as my most underrated quarterback of this pro- of this class, one of the most underrated prospects in general. Uh, like you said, I truly think if you look at the college career as a whole, he was the best college quarterback for his entirety. Um, you know, out of any of these prospects, but. You know, as as much as I love Jahan Dotson, you guys, we we all know Jahan Dotson's my man. But oh, we know. Come on now. I mean, no chance I'm taking him before Traylon Burks. No tan- chance I'm taking him before Chris Olave, and no chance I'm taking him before Jamison Williams. I, I, it's just not. It it was crazy to me. I really thought this guy was gonna be taken in the second round. I thought he had first round talent, but to be taken before those three guys. Unreal. Fedarian Mathis was my most overrated defensive tackle of the draft. And at 47, I really, really think that was a reach when, what, Travis Jones? If if you're still going to select a defensive tackle, which I think is a weird pick to make, but Travis Jones didn't get selected until pick, what, 73, I believe? And then uh, Perrion Winfrey went to the Browns with the, in the fourth round. I just thought there was a lot better talent that you could have gotten later. So... I I really didn't like yeah I like I love the player in Jahan Dotson not a huge fan of Fedarian Mathis but love Brian Robinson for a majority of their draft I love the players and like I said getting Sam Howell in round 5 was one of the best picks for any team in the entire draft but overall I I was not huge on their draft I really wasn't uh I I think if they didn't draft Sam Howell if they just had, had taken say like a random guard or something in that position i i would make an argument that they're really close to dallas and having you know the worst draft in this class or in this division at least yeah agreed well all righty my friend that takes us to dallas go on to the fourth team all right dallas cowboys uh they drafted tyler smith in the first round which was a little bit of a surprise but i i think that when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, similar to the Texans, uh, these these Texas teams, they, they, they trust their area scouts and they love to stay close. I mean, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six of their nine picks were from universities in their in their area scout range. So it's obvious that they, they that's what they, they, they aim for. Uh, Sam Williams in the second round. I think he was a prospect that the more I did research on him kind of went under the radar over the process. When we talk about David Ajabo as being like the developmental pass rusher of this draft, it really does seem like if there was where we have defensive ends, we have edges. If we had like a category for pass rush specialists, it would have been Ajabo, Benito, and I think Williams would have been in there. It's just we didn't really talk about him a lot. Uh, Jalen Tolbert in the third round, Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin in the fourth round, uh, Matt Walletsko, Walletsko, uh in the fifth round from North Dakota State. Uh, they picked Deron Bland from Fresno State in the fifth round. D- uh, is it Damone or Damon Clark? Do you either of you all know? I think it's Damon. Damon Clark in the fifth round. He'll have to sit out a year, but we'll get to him in a little bit. John Ridgeway from Arkansas, a transfer in the fifth round. And then Devin Harper from Oklahoma State in the sixth round. I gave Dallas a flat D, mm. which is really low grade for me. 
Uh, I, t- I typically don't even usually go this far, but I, I, I have a grading system very much in mind of how I, I target what a team grades in my opinion, and I'll get to the reasons why it's a D here right now. The Cowboys often have boom or bust drafts, and this one seems to fall on the bust side. So Tyler Smith, he's, he's a developmental prospect, and it seems like even the front office recognizes that. I think it's odd. Like I, I get that Tyron Smith is probably his days are numbered, even though that Jerry Jones came out and said that he has a lot of ter- tread on his tires. Like He really believes that Tyron can uh, go uh, for, for a while longer. But I, I, And I know they got rid of Leo Collins, but it's just for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations – to pick a developmental player when you lost in the first round of the, you know, you lost in the wild card, and really it was your fault that you lost. They could have, they could have and should have beaten the 49ers, but they had just such a dreadful offensive game. It, it was, it was just bad. But to, so to take a developmental guy in the first round when you obviously needed help now, it was a little. That, that, that did not make sense. And Tyler Smith, I, people could say he's development, that he could be a left tackle. I think there's a lot more uh, – there's a lot of shining to do on that player before before he becomes a legitimate NFL starter. Sam Williams had an off-field accusation of sexual battery, uh, which likely caused his drop. Uh, but he's considered to be one of the better pure pass rushers in this draft, and he's clearly the Randy Gregory replacement. I would say that he was probably – in football terms, my favorite pick that they made, uh, but that's you know a, a guy with red flags and is a, considered a one-trick pony. That's pretty bad when that's your my favorite pick. Uh, Jalen Tolbert dropped further than most expected, but I, I think he landed in the right range. I know I know Brendan wasn't very high on him uh, as he was. He thought he was a little overrated. Uh, Tolbert seems like he has one like athletic skill and that's speed off of the line. Like ten and twenty yard splits are pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, but. His, his agility and explosion aren't fantastic, so he may just be like a slot receiver going forward in his career. And then Damon Clark was potentially a huge addition in day three. Many thought he was a t- top 100 prospect, some even higher, uh, but he, it was discovered he had a herniated disc at the combine, caused him to drop. He'll miss his rookie season, but if he gets here next year and the year after and he develops into a upper tier starting linebacker, then I think that's, I think that's a day three pick to put some value into, but overall pretty much it's like, okay, you, you, you identified some of your needs, uh, but especially with your top pick, you drafted a player that's not ready to play that came from a G five school. You, you've got like, like I said, Williams can rush the passer Tolbert. He was productive, but there's a reason went to South Alabama and some of that showed. Uh, I, I, I don't hate small school guys. Trust me, I'm just I'm just trying to kind of flush this out. Like Ferguson, after you you know kept Schultz and all that, and then, and then just the rest of their picks outside of Clark. I just I I feel like for a team that's trying to win now, it, like the draft they had a couple years ago, I thought was amazing. Like when they drafted they drafted Ceedee Lamb in the first, they drafted Diggs in the second, they got Gallimore in the third. I was like, man, this is a superstar draft like that was an a plus level draft for where they were picking and who they got but this draft it reminded me of that year they had that second and they spent it on the defensive tackle Crawford from UCF and he 
I don't know if he even registered like more than 10 tackles in the league. That entire draft was like literally just toss it, toss out with the, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater or whatever it's called. You know, it's like one of those. This draft is feeling much more like that. I mean, I think Williams will produce year one uh, in situational pass rushing. But other than that, I'm, I mean, that's just they're running back last year's team. Yeah, I, I think it's bad when my favorite pick was your 176th overall pick with Damon Clark. I actually, I'm a big fan of that pick. I, I had high expectations and high hopes for him coming out of the draft. I had him on my uh, my top 10 linebacker board. I, I really like what Damon Clark brings to the table, but like you said, you're going to have to wait on that. The Tyler Smith pick, still to this day, one of my least favorite first round picks. You know, it, it's funny. I say that Jalen Tolbert was, you know, one of the most un- overrated receivers in all of the class, in my opinion, and I-, I truly do believe that. But at the same time, it's funny that he's probably one of the few guys that they drafted that are going to be like legitimate chance chances to be starters. I think that he has a chance to potentially take that starting role in the slot. Um, but I don't think he's, at the NFL level, I really don't think he's going to be that deep threat that he was in college. Because like Angelo just mentioned, his acceleration and explosiveness is only good for about you know, off the line of scrimmage to about 15 yards. Once he's downfield, he's really not like burning these guys. He's not breaking their ankle. Like there's nothing about Jalen Tolbert that truly, truly impresses me. That makes me think that he's going to be a star. Yes. Can he be a starting slot receiver in this league? I think he can, especially being surrounded by such talented receivers in Dallas. That's going to benefit him. But overall, I mean, I, I agree with you for a team that, you know, probably considers themselves to be the leaders of the of the NFC East, you're not. And every every NFL fan does not view the Cowboys as the leaders of the NFC East right now. And if you are, I'm sorry folks, that's the Eagles. I mean the Cowboys, it they, they literally look like they're, you know, planning for three years down the road with this draft. It's it's I, I never like taking a developmental guy in the first round, especially if you have legitimate playoff aspirations and I, I was not a fan of Dallas's draft in the slightest. Not in the slightest. I just think this team has some major, major issues on the line of scrimmage. I don't think their offensive line is as good, but I don't think it's strong. And I think other than Demarcus Lawrence, they're really weak on the defensive line. And other than Micah Parsons, they're really not that good at the linebacker position. Van Der Esch was good early in his career, but I, I think he's really dropped off. Well, yeah, those injuries killed him. I have to agree with you guys. It's crazy how fast that linebacker room fell apart. Uh, good thing that right. yeah, it's great. I mean, I seriously thought that Dallas linebacker room was going to be the future. <laughs> oh, Jalen Smith and yeah, yeah Jalen Smith they, and they were something and special. Man. And Smith's out of the league. Yep, it's it's just crazy, man. The NFL's a crazy place. Well, Angela, that's why you don't Micah play board games, Micah, kids. <laughs> yeah, yep. But Micah Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons, he's been great. Yeah, I like him. It's funny. I liked Micah Parsons as much as like an edge rusher coming out as uh, as I did as like a true linebacker, and he had like twelve sacks last year, and I was like, all right, but yeah, like Micah Parsons, it was so weird. Do you all just like a quick side note? I remember I was trying to do just some spot scouting for last year's draft. I watched three Micah Parsons games, and they could not have all been different. Like, they were so, so different. Like, the first game I watched, I was telling my friend, I was like, yo, this guy's supposed to be like a Patrick Willis-level, like, talent. And I turned on his Michigan game, and I have never seen a worse tape from a top prospect in my life. Like, he was freaking awful against Michigan. He, I mean, like, if you would have watched that, you'd have been like, yeah, that guy's like a walk-on. 
Right. And then you turn on the Cotton Bowl against uh, uh, what, what was it? It was Memphis. And they played Memphis, and he he was – I mean, they, then he looked like Patrick Willis. And then you turn on Minnesota, and he's like, okay. He was a really hard prospect last year to peg down, but he ended up his rookie year really playing lights out. He played, he, he played, like, he played like Memphis game, Micah Parsons. I wonder what, what game we'll get from him next year. <laughs> I know. In the end, his rookie year, I mean, he had double-digit sacks and was one of the best linebackers in, in coverage. It was absolutely filthy. I mean, there was a reason that dude was in race for not only defensive rookie of the year, but defensive player of the year. You know, Dallas didn't have any of those picks this year, and that's that's why we're beating them with the bat. But, <laughs> but all righty, guys. Well, Love the terminology. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. I'm not very good with those, so... <laughs> But alrighty, folks. Well, Angela, I appreciate your uh, NFC East rundown. I, Did we have any discrepancies? Is that the order that y'all had it in? That's the exact same order I had it in. That was Angelo's rundown of the NFC East draft grades. I'm going to bring you the AFC East draft grades. And like I was saying a little earlier in the show, teams that were normally you know, kind of making fun of for how they attack the draft, we're giving them their credit this, this year. And that team, I, 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 we have to start off with the Jets, you guys. We have to. Um, I, I cannot express enough how much I love this draft. And uh, I, I think when Angelo and I did our draft, I had this as the number one draft in the NFL. So without any further ado, the New York Jets, the 2023 Super Bowl champ. No, I'm kidding. Kidding. No, I, I, understand, I understand what you're saying, though. I mean, they do they do have a good team now. They, they are kind of an underrated team. No, they truly are. And I, I, I think they, they, they still have a couple of years from being a playoff team, but they are absolutely on the upward climb. And, you know, these, these picks I'm about to go over, you guys will see why. I mean, first round, pick number four, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, cornerback from Cincinnati. And then you go and get the, uh, I'd say about 70% of, you know, scouts said that Garrett Wilson was their number one receiver. Then you get Jermaine Johnson in the first round as well with the 26th overall pick. So those are three home runs in the first round. There's not a pick there that I dislike. I mean, Jermaine Johnson was the guy that was projected to go top 10 to a lot of people. I mean, there's there's people saying Jermaine Johnson could have been the fourth overall pick. And I'm, I'm very glad he wasn't because Sauce was a much better pick. But you still got him at 26. I mean, are you kidding me? And then you get Brees Hall with pick 36. You guys, with three of their first four picks... They were somehow to grab arguably the best player at those positions. Ahmad Sauce Gardner was pretty much the number one overall cornerback. If you didn't have Stingley, you had Sauce. Garrett Wilson was, you know, it, there, there was a few different guys. It could have been Jameson Williams. Some had Burks. Some had Olave like Angelo. But Garrett Wilson was pretty commonly the number one receiver. Jermaine Johnson was a, you know, I would say pretty consensus, would you guys say around the fourth or fifth rated edge rusher? Some people maybe had him higher. And then you mm-hmm. get... It was definitely a first round pick grade. Absolutely. For a lot of people. I mean, the only people I'd put in front of him really are Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, and then Mr. Number One Overall Pick, Trayvon Walker. It's, it's To be able to get him at 26 was absolutely a steal. And then Brees Hall. You get the best running back in the second round. Folks, I'm not even done. I'm not done with it. Jeremy Ruckert was somebody that I had uh, as my most underrated tight end, and I've been, I've been, I've thrown Jeremy Ruckert's name around quite a bit. So uh, I, I actually think this is one of their most underappreciated ones. Uh, although the, like the production numbers aren't there, he was as reliable as it gets at Ohio State. You guys, 
you pair him alongside CJ Uzama, and you now have a talented tight end room. It's not just, oh, you have a decent, you have a good starter in Uzama. No, you have a guy that could be a legitimate red zone guy, a guy that could be a valuable blocker and pass catcher in those heavy tight end sets. Uh, the, the Jets don't only have gifted starters at their skill positions now. They're starting to get a little bit of depth, and the league needs to take notice. Something that I mentioned last time we talked about the Jets draft is I, I don't think there could have been a better pairing with Zach Wilson, wide receiver-wise, than Garrett Wilson. Uh, the only other player I really think would have been a fantastic fit for the Jets was Jamison Williams. But Garrett Wilson's you know spectacular catchability, his ability to make these crazy catches downfield paired with Zach Wilson's deep game. I, I would. I think we could agree that Zach Wilson's deep game is his best game, and so giving him more opportunities to open up the field uh, is it, it's, it's. You're just setting this guy up for success. I truly b- believe that Zach Wilson has the talent to be a franchise quarterback. You just got to get it going for him. And Sauce Gardner's got a legitimate opportunity to kind of add that swagger to the defense. And you know, I, I think this is a under a quietly talented defense already it just needs to come together but the roster talent it it really is there I think it's an above average defense you know I I think he could be that true boundary cover three like shut down corner Uh, his physical nature could add the spark that defense needs I really think this just roster is better than a lot of teams in the NFL right now and you know we're kind of just if you take Zach Wilson out of the picture and look at everything else this is a team that is I'm not saying they're going to make the wild card, but I think it's a team that's talented enough to make a push for a wild card. It just sucks that the AFC has 13 other playoff teams. But overall, you guys, I'm giving the Jets an A. I don't know. I I might even give them an A plus, honestly. I don't think that they could have attacked it better. They got their needs and they got the best players available at each position. So you know what, you guys, I'm giving the Jets an A plus. Whoa, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, Angelo. Wow. You guys can rip me for that, but if you want to give him an A, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, well, it, the A, it's we'll, like we'll, I'm we'll, nodding we'll, my head, but the A plus, too far, <laughs> Brett Bolin, too far. Right, well, let me, let, let me put it into – I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. There's two things that are glaring question marks for me with the Jets. Number one, Zach Wilson, who I, I loved coming out you know, as a prospect. I loved Zach Wilson, the prospect, but he didn't have a great year as a rookie. He didn't show – he, I mean, he he pretty much busted as a rookie. I mean, his his career's not over. He hasn't lost a starting job, but he busted as a, as as a rookie. The other thing is, is that I don't think on the defensive side of the ball they're as good. I think they I think they made good moves, but I think they still have some holes. But I will say this: Jermaine Johnson helped them on the edge. C.J. Mosley is going to improve at linebacker. Sauce Gardner is going to improve them at corner. They're getting better on the defensive side of the ball, but they're not there yet. I mean, I, I agree. I don't think that this is a team that's, like I said, I don't think they're going to make a push for a wild card or anything quite yet. I think that's a, you may be two, maybe even three years out of the picture just because how competitive the AFC is. But I think it's a team that does deserve a little bit of recognition at least. And I, I, I do believe you're giving them that. But, you know, this they don't have bums across the board on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, like a guy you mentioned, C.J. Mosley is – you know, kind of on the back half of his career, but not bad by any means. Like, I, I truly think that this new... All I'm saying is this Jets roster is not as bad as people think. It's really not. I would agree. 100% agree with that statement. Yeah, I'd say I'd say a lot of people are into the Jets now. I mean, if you look at the, the guys they have acquired, I mean, even like from, uh, from like Becton, if he ends up working out with, 
Elijah Vera Tucker, Quinton Williams. Now you've got Gardner, Wilson, Johnson. You had guys like um, they have Brees Hall, and then they had Bryce Hall, and you've got <laughs> Elijah Moore, and it, it's just yeah. I, I think it's I think it's very obvious. And Zach Wilson. I, the one thing I'll say with you, Ed, I noticed when we talked about Justin Fields the other day, Wilson. Like I just try not to be too hard on rookie quarterbacks, especially rookie quarterbacks on terrible teams like the Jets and the Bears were last year. So yeah, like neither of them perform well, but I still think that they both have I think Fields showed a little more than Wilson but at the same time Wilson still has all the athletic profile uh, tools and I think that now when you have a back like Brees Hall you've got Wilson and more I, I think that this offense is going to look much more like like a Shanahan type of offense and with him running that offense I, I think that we're going to see a pretty big jump from Wilson in year one to year two and with the way that the defense is now uh, constructed I'm 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 definitely I th- I think a lot of people are are back in on the Jets now. Uh, I I totally agree with that. Well, alrighty, that's my rundown of the Jets. Finally, it's it feels, a plus. It, <laughs> it feels good to give some of these teams a little bit of credit because you know being a Browns fan, I know how it feels, you guys. But you know, it, Jets Jets fans, well, they you made, deserve both this. the Browns made a lot of bad decisions for many years. So. Exactly, the Jets Jets deserve this just as much as we do. So. Without any further ado, I'll go into a team that is, you know, tearing the league apart right now and is a chance to be a Super Bowl champion next year, and that's the Buffalo Bills. This was a draft I didn't think I liked that much, but looking at their roster, I mean, it there was only a few spots that truly needed a legitimate upgrade, and I feel like for where they were picking and who was available, they, they did a pretty solid job. Uh, I think the Bills got nothing but, you know, quality players in this draft. I'm not saying that oh my gosh, they got this guy that's going to completely change. No, I, I I like what they did with this draft. I mean, drafting Kyrie Elam was, like some may call it a little bit of a reach, but I like the pick. Uh, you just lost Levi Wallace, and I, I think Kyrie has a chance to be a day one starter, you know, taking over for Levi, Levi Wallace, and uh, being able to play alongside Tredavious White, a very smart cornerback, I think could be super beneficial to him. Elam has a super high ceiling, and I think he's going to be a valuable asset in man coverage. He's got speed and disciplined feet, and that's kind of what that defense was lacking with speed. So I think that's, I think that's you know, the right pick for the Bills in the first round. I, I'm not arguing it at all. And then another person I, I had as my overrated running back, but I, I made sure to say he's not bad by any means. The only reason I say overrated is because of what he brings as a running back. I don't think he's a true, true number one running back, and I don't even think the Bills think that. Something, you know, we know how much the Bills like to throw the football, right? And they didn't have a very good pass catching back. Now you got James Cook, who is the best ca- pass catching back in all of college football. Uh, he led the in he led college football in receiving touchdowns for running backs last year, and didn't drop a single pass out of the backfield. So. You, you fixed that one hole that you really had on the offensive side of the ball, and I really think that he's going to instantly make an impact his rookie season. Uh, the, the thing is, I still don't think the Bills have a true number one back. They don't value Devin Sting, uh, Singletary. I, I agree with that. I agree yeah, with that. I don't think they value Singletary as a number one back, and I, I you know by them drafting Cook, I, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to operate that backfield next year. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think they're going to run the ball very, very few times, similar to how they did last year. But I think James Cook was the right pick for what type of offense they run, how little pass-catching ability they had out of the backfield last year. 
you couldn't have really gotten a better player for that role in this draft. And if that's what they want, hey man, that's what they got. I don't think they were looking for a true downhill number one running back. They were looking for this guy and they got him. So I just wanted to make a comment on that real quick. I mean, they still have Zach Moss too. Like they, they've spent a lot of these day two picks on running backs trying to find someone. And with the selection of James Cook, I almost feel like, and I know this is, is a little facetious, but it's almost like with the, with as much as they ran Josh Allen, that Josh Allen's their power back now. Like <laughs> I, I know that Singletary's strong. It's it's almost like that they're going to rely on like 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 I would put your future bets on Josh Allen MVP right now because it seems like he is going to be their entire offense, and I think he's fully capable. But I wonder how that's going to have like a long lasting effect on his career, like physically. I acknowledge, I acknowledge with Singletary's combine, but I think I I just don't think you should sleep on Singletary. I like Singletary. I like Singletary too, but I don't I don't think he has what it takes to be a true number one back. But like like we've kind of been saying, that the Bills don't utilize a true number one back in the same way a lot of the teams do. And like to to Angelo's point, Zach or uh, Josh Allen probably will be that that power back because. You know, you look at the games where he has like 75 rushing yards, over almost 100 rushing yards. None of the running backs are like over 35, over 40. I mean, when it's when it's Josh Allen's day, it's Josh Allen's day, and he's going to run the football, and you get, you're not going to do anything to stop him. But um, I, I agree with you, Angelo, 110% with the more weapons they've added to the offensive side of the ball with how much better Josh Allen's gotten every single year of his career, folks. It is not a bad bet to go put your money down on Josh Allen for MVP. But uh, another pick that I wanted to highlight, which was honestly one of my favorite picks for them, was uh, Senior Bowl standout Khalil Shakir in the fifth round. I mean, he could potentially turn out to be one of the best picks of the draft. Uh, I think Shakir is going to be a day one starter, and he's going to replace Cole Beasley, who they just lo- uh, lost this offseason. Uh, I think he's going to replace him in this slot. And Khalil Shakir was used in every which way at Boise State. I mean, they had him on end arounds, they had him on reverses, they had him on screens. The dude was doing everything. And with how exciting that Bills offense is and how much fun they like to have, expect him to be a gadget player to the fullest. I mean, they are going to get everything they can out of Khalil Shakir because that is an incredibly versatile athlete. And I think he's a I think he's gonna be a great addition to what the Bills need. I mean, he's he's really not no disrespect to Cole Beasley. He's one of the better intermediate route runners we've seen in the last 10 years but Khalil Shakir is so much more athletic than Cole Beasley and I think he's truly going to add another element to that offense and um, I that to me is going to be one of the most valuable picks they make all of this draft what about Crowder you think Crowder is going to crack the lineup Jameson Crowder I, I like Jamison Crowder. I, I definitely think he's going to get playing time along Stephon Diggs. And Jamison Crowder has been a long time proven starter in this league, and you know he had success on the on a bad Jets team. So I definitely think Crowder is going to get playing time. But Shakir has absolutely a higher ceiling, and if you get what you want out of Shakir, he's going to bring you so much more to an offense than Crowder ever could. Oh, and let's let's not forget. I mean, uh, they also drafted Punt God, so they're going to be able to flip the field like no other. There we go. I was wondering when we were going yeah, to get to yeah. Punt, punt God. You can't you can't forget about Punt God. Now the the only concerns about him is why he was the third punter prospect taken was there's maybe some concern about his ability to you know kind of let off off the gas when you have to worry more about ball placement rather than just absolutely destroying the football because I mean we know he can do that better than anybody else. Dude did it better than anybody in the history of college ball. Uh, but I, I think for a team like the Bills, 
I, I love Matteries. I mean, you have the big, you have the biggest arm in football, and you got the biggest leg in football, baby. Give it to me. I love it. But for this draft, I think I'm going to have to give the Bills a B. I think they got quality players. I think they attacked where they had to. They didn't go over the top, so I'm not giving them anything higher. But the Bills did what the Bills needed to do in this draft, and I think that's deserving of a B. B for Bills. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anybody have any disagreements, any refutes? Anybody want to argue with me? No, I, I think I think Brendan's done a good job with that. I will. Uh, oh, oh, okay. I didn't, but Brendan did. All right, and I see where favoritism is played in here. I see how this goes. All right, you know what? You know what? You know what? I do have a criticism. I might have had them third. How about All right, that? Man. Let's do it. Let's do it. So let's go with this next team, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Whoa! What? Okay. All right. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yep. We'll, no respect I, I for Bill. That. The only reason I'm saying Miami Dolphins is because, yes, they didn't draft Tyreek Hill, but in essence, they they kind of did. You know what I mean? I mean, in essence, they drafted Tyreek Hill. And Angelo, you and I have we're on the same page with Tyreek Hill. I'm not sure how Ed values him, but that is the most valuable non-quarterback in the National Football League. And I can't. Mm-hmm. That's quite a state. That's quite a statement. I agree, 100. percent I just it, it you can't it, yes the the bill or the the dolphins didn't have a bunch of draft picks for me to grade and so in essence they really I guess they did have the worst draft out of this because they had four picks you know and I don't even think they did grade on those four picks so Angelo I 110% understand your your reaction after I said the bills before this next team but um, no, you're taking you're taking a page out of my book where I did the Panthers thing with you and I said they drafted like Darnold and CJ Henderson in round two and three. Exactly, no, 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 no. Exactly. I can respect this. I can I can respect. <laughs> but this. you know, I mean, I, I I really value what they're trying to do. I mean, this is a team that is all about speed, right? And you go and get Channing Tindall, who I I think you know he was never a starter for Georgia, right? But that does not mean he's not a. Ball. I'm bi- I'm bigger on him than you are. It, yeah, I, I I don't dislike Tindall at all, but. The dude was what third in the team in tackles, and he wasn't ever didn't ever make a start. I mean that's unreal. So he brings top tier speed at the position, and he's a tackling machine. I think you pair that alongside Jerome Baker, that that's a very talent. I mean, I I'm big on Jerome Baker. I don't know if you guys know that. I love me some Jerome Baker. So you pair those two, that is a very very talented tackling linebacking core. I mean it's going to be hard to run the ball on them. And then on top of that, uh, you got uh, as a coo- I'm sorry if I butcher this guy's name, Eric Ezekamuna uh, from Texas Tech. Now, we, we know what the Dolphins have on the offensive side of the ball, right? Speed, speed, speed. Oh, yeah, and a little bit of more speed. Something that they maybe don't have is too much height. They have Preston Williams, who stands at 6'5", but hasn't really been able to come into that role as being the, their next Devontae Parker. And speaking of Devontae Parker, he's out of here. You know, he, he hasn't played much the last few years due to injury, but... That was their big target for the last few years. They got Preston. Will- oh, they don't need. They don't need him though. They really don't need him. They don't. Not at all. But it, it, you know, it. Yes, you always value having as much speed as you can. But it's always nice to have a guy that can go up and get you a jump ball. And if if uh, Eric Ezekamuna can beat out Preston Williams, he very well could be getting some playing time in his rookie year. So I I think he's a developmental player early on. But Preston, with how underwhelming Preston Williams has been when he's been called upon. I truly think that that's a pick that could benefit them in the long run. It was interesting them the, the one thing that really bothered me is they didn't take an interior lineman in the draft. I, I get that, you know, if there's not one that you're absolutely infatuated with, 
don't take him. Don't take a player you don't want. I get it. I just thought that interior offensive line was a huge, huge need. So for the few picks they had, I think they definitely had the best player available approach because they had so few picks. Um, but you know, if they didn't get Tyreek Hill, they're absolutely at the bottom of my list for this class. But that's that's why I gotta get put him right here. I'm gonna give him a C plus. I mean, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. I mean, it, it, they gave up their first and second for Reek, right? So yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what you spent it on. I really don't don't blame them for sp- for spending that there did they they gave up the both of the they second as well that's why they don't have a second i'm i want to double check right yes sir yeah 100 yeah. percent sure okay all right yeah so tyreek anytime you i, I would have sacrificed my draft for tyreek hill too i mean especially if you're a team like the dolphins that that need that type of infusion i disagree with both of you all that they could use Devonte parker there but but they needed to free up his money to make the acquisition like that and I think Tyndall was a was the player that they could use. Uh, hopefully, the Texas Tech kid uh, is good. I, I thought it was weird that they took a quarterback at the end, but yeah. no shame in you know swinging for the fences on someone. So you know, I it is what it is. It's just it's well, very well, uninspiring. I get, the, I get the I get the impression with Mike McDaniel, it's kind of like you know I like Tua. He's my quarterback, but like I don't think he's married to Tua. I don't think he's married to Tua. I don't think the organization is either. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody's sold on Tua, and you know, with with how many weapons Tua's going to have with him this year, it it's it's going to Tua. We find out if he's going to be their franchise quarterback. Right? I I, th- I think Tua's gotten a raw deal. I'm not going to lie to you all. I th- I think he has. I think everybody wants to dunk on Tua. I think there's a lot of. Uh, I think maybe even, and I'm not. I'm just saying conspiracy. Even the owner, like when that video came out the other day where he threw that pass mm-hmm. to Hill, and everybody made fun of him. I I think that, I, I think that there might be a marketing ploy, like by like because Ross hasn't wanted Tua for over a year, but we saw during that stretch this season that there was a stretch where Tua played really well, mm-hmm. and the team won. Like it, it's he is. I think that. I think that Tua, when they say, oh, he can't handle this offense, it's like, well, did did we just forget that he had Devonta Smith and Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddell at Alabama and led one of the best offenses in the history of college football? Like, it, it, he has the capabilities. Why people want to dump on him so, so majorly when he's, you know, I mean, this year will prove it, I agree, but to, to kind of poo-poo him before we get to see what he can do with an actual offense i mean i i don't know i think i thought i thought it's been a little weird yeah how they how he's been treated and like to to further your point i truly think it's simply because where he was taken in the draft what you're it's it's always funny to me to see how like different a script is and what a guy has to do depending on where he's taken because you know davis mills for example him and Tua had the exact same stats last year. I, I'm not joking, you guys. They had the exact same. Same amount of touchdowns, same amount of interceptions, same amount of completions, and the same. I'm literally not making this up. But you know, No, people, I, I've seen it. Yeah, no, I've seen the same stats. Say, like a- you know, Davis Mills, oh, that guy, that guy could be the starter for the Texans. There's no, like, there's no bashing of Davis Mills. It's like, oh, this guy could be legit. When in all reality, well, it's contextual. Exactly, exactly. It's it's just how we. Well, not contextual. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I get what you're saying. I think it's contextual in terms of like, like Davis Mills was a rookie. 
B, the Texans were a dumpster fire in their skill groups, both at wide receiver, running back. The offensive line was was criticized. Where See, now, how are you going to make me go against my own point that I made? Because then you could have Tua, who had NFL talent around him. He was in year two. There's like a, you know, there, there are differences. Brendan, let's move on. You, you how, how you could have taken something I supported against me? You've done it before. <laughs> You're really good at that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about it. Let's get into the Patriots, my friends. Let's do it. Well, with the New England Patriots, you guys, Bill Belichick had drafted this, cha- this draft the Bill Belichick way. In other words, we didn't know what was happening for the most part. And if you weren't a top-tier athlete, you're not getting taken. So, uh, I, golly, this draft just had me scratching my head. But uh, it's Bill's going to do Bill things, you guys. And started off, Cole Strange was, uh, I think, unarguably the strangest pick, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll just out myself right now, you guys. No. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, I think he might have even been, you know, the most head-scratching pick of the entire draft, potentially. Now, Angelo, you, you were able to sell it to me a little more on one of the last uh, last shows. But, I mean, you traded mm-hmm. away. I, they it, Correct me if I'm wrong. They traded away Shaq Mason, correct? Uh, yeah, to Tampa. Yeah, they traded him. So, I just... You know, you traded away a very talented Shaq Mason, who was, I believe, second-team All-Pro last year, a guy that's kind of inconsistent. but And, and you replaced him with a guy that other teams were valuing as a second or even a third-round guy as the Rams were valuing him. Uh, guard was, you know, it was a huge glaring need for the Patriots after that trade, but I don't think Strange was the expected pick by any means. I think he had probably one of the worst showings at the Senior Bowl for any player. But, Angela, I remember you telling me that athletically the dude tests out of the waters. I mean, he's just a physical maniac. And so mm-hmm. I, there's there's really only two sides of the coin for this guy. Uh, he's a talented zone, uh, zone scheme blocker that can deal with guys a lot bigger and a lot stronger. I wouldn't even say stronger. I think bigger is the word because he does outpower some of these bigger guys. So I get the, the raw physical animal you're getting out of this guy. And I, you guys are going to – you guys are going to – this is what really sold me on him, you guys. Oh, no. The dude's got money pad level. It's money. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. Pad level, baby. <laughs> oh, God. So, I mean, I, I think this guy absolutely, the more and more I look into it, I see the vision. I see where Bill was going. Do I think it was a reach still? Absolutely. Only time will tell if the small school guard talents will translate to the to the big leagues. And honestly, I hope it works out for him. I really want him to prove me wrong. I want him to prove everybody else wrong because... I love to see the smaller school guys succeed, and going on with the agenda of you know drafting these freak athletes, Tyquan Thornton was another surprising pick. But for a team that lacks you know really any game-breaking speed on the offensive side of the ball, this could potentially be the right pick. Uh, Thornton may not have all the like tools and uh, assets to be a true number one receiver or anything like that, but he brings a level of speed that can hopefully stretch and space out the field that would be super, super beneficial to the Patriots. And not only that, he's, he's going to be a problem on special teams. I think he could be a great kick and punt returner. The only thing that concerns me is we've seen a few guys get taken solely for their track speed, right? And very rarely does it actually work out. So uh, I'm excited to see how they use him. I think guys just, uh, a lot of teams just struggle on how to how to implement a guy that just truly is a track star, not necessarily an NFL level wide receiver. I mean, we saw it with John Ross, saw it with Anthony Schwartz. I'm excited to see how it works for Tyquan Thornton. 
And then their picks of Marcus Jones and Jack Jones, I think were both needed and were underrated smart pickups. The cornerback room is looking very thin after losing Stephon Gilmore and JC Jackson in less than two years. So uh, Marcus Jones is a smaller corner. I believe he's 5'8", but he brings like electric ball hawking play style. The dude is, you read a lot of his scouting reports, they'll use the word dog. He's a dog. So uh, regardless of his his height, you know, I think he's going to bring something awesome to, you know, being that nickel guy, being that extra guy coming out. Uh, He's another person that brings talent in the return game as well. He's just a freak athlete. So I think that this draft, the Patriots were all in on explosiveness and they were all in on top tier athletes. And, And not to forget about Jack Jones. Jack Jones also brings, he brings great size, fluidity, or excuse me, great size and fluidity to the position. And I think he's going to be a good depth addition. He's definitely not going to get a starting role anytime soon. But um, I do think Jack Jones is somebody that could see the field early on in his career due to just his, there's something about him. He He's not the greatest in the world in coverage or something. He just makes plays, you guys. He just finds a way to make plays. And one more guy I really wanted to highlight is they, they're going off of speed, man. They got Pierre Strong Jr., who was, uh, I believe he was tied as the fastest running back in this draft, and he could be a dangerous big play threat. He's not great catching the ball out of the backfield. He's not great at blocking, but he he has a legitimate chance to be that that running back that they've kind of been missing. They don't have, I mean, Ramonde Stevenson was actually pretty awesome last year, but he do, he lacks that big playability. Pierre Strong is somebody that can break it off 50 yards like it's nothing. So you know what? If if it's okay with you guys, I'll retract my statements and I'll put them at third. If it's too late, I'll, eat, I'll bite the bullet on this one. I'll bite it. Don't worry. But <laughs> overall, the more and more I thought about it, I did like the Patriots draft. It was just, I think that first, that the first two picks kind of being players that I didn't necessarily go all out on scouting because I wasn't expecting them to be such early picks. Just kind of threw me off, but I I see what the Patriots' vision was with this draft, and I think I'm going to give them a C. I would like to talk about the Patriots' draft a little bit. Let's do it. I I I when I when I said that I would have one up over the Bills, this is the one. Okay. And that's a little controversial because people hated it so much. But when you start to uncover the layers of the Bill Belichick onion, you find his genius. Either that or it's Stockholm Syndrome because he's been a six-time Super Bowl champion <laughs> and all this. But uh, let, let me start off with Cole Strange. Cole Strange athletically profiled as a fantastic athletic prospect for a guard in this class. Think about Cole Strange. He's 6'5", 307. You could, you could maybe, maybe talk yourself into some versatility. But the thing is, is that he's already 24. The thing that you get like a market inefficiency at is that football players specifically, like humans through sports have like an athletic prime. And 27 years old is about like the spot for an athletic prime. And it starts around 22, 23, 24 is usually like when you really start to blossom into that. What was strange... You're getting an elite athlete at the position who started a lot of games at Chattanooga where his rookie contract is going to be through his prime. Mm. That right there is where you get – you're going to have, you know, Cole Strange on a rookie deal at 27 years old. He's going to athletically be able to be a man in the NFL at that. So there are ways where you have that fifth-year option where you can extend that forward to where you're getting the best out of what Cole Strange will be at a at a premium price. So for me, there's understanding into that and why maybe it makes some sense. You look at the rest of their draft too. They didn't necessarily uh they don't really go young. 
They are they they do like older, experienced players, and that does kind of fit like a Belichick mode of people being ready right now. And I'm going to get to one specifically here in a second. The more, like the the second that I saw Tyquan Thornton, I saw him get picked, and everybody said it was a reach. And I saw a highlight of a route he did, and I was like, oh, I missed this guy. Like, cause I like I said, I got on on board late with you all, and I wanted to try to catch up, but I didn't get my eyes on Thornton. So I went back and watched Tyquan Thornton. I actually think he was really underrated in this process as a wide receiver. He is like not only not only is he fast, we all know he's fast, right? He ran the fastest 40 at the combine. Baylor, that's the entire program, is how fast can we be? How much faster are we than you? But if you look at his tape, he is actually a pretty savvy route runner for a guy that's that's labeled as just speed. He produced in big games, like it, like against Oklahoma, for an example, he had he he was able to make some, I mean, some bonkers catches. <laughs> like here was this game against I think maybe Oklahoma State where he made this end zone catch that it was jaw dropping. That for for a wide receiver that was based as a reach and just a speed guy, I'll tell you what, he has tiny tiny baby hands, which sucks. But he is, out of all the receivers I watched, he might be the most natural hands catcher Ooh. in the draft. Like, he can, for those tiny, tiny hands, he can pluck balls. Like, very, very effortlessly. So, for a player that has elite speed, and he's tough. Like, there was this one play where he caught this pass, he did a little move, he lowered his head, and he, and he took on contact. I was like, man, Tyquan Thornton seems to have everything that you would want out of a wide receiver. I, I was, like I said, I was actually on uh, board with Tyquan Thornton, especially after I watched him. I think he was a really underrated pick. Um, Marcus Jones, he was a All-American returner. It seems like that Belichick obviously placed a lot of value on special teams, but he did have accolade at cornerback too. Seems like he's going to be a really good slot corner. And then Jack Jones is the one that intrigues me the most. You look at his high school recruiting, which, no lie guys, goes all the way back to 2016 was the high school recruiting class that he was in. That was over five years ago. That was six years ago that he was he was in a high school class. But the things that Belichick identified, he was a former five-star high school recruit, so he's decorated as a prospect. He started out at USC, okay? He ended up, which means that he played with... <laughs> he played on USC two years before Sam Darnold was drafted. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Um... Yeah, yeah. But with wow. with personal life stuff, he kind of like dropped out of like football for a second. He reemerged at Arizona State where their coaches are Herm Edwards and Marvin Lewis. Like they're on that defensive staff. So you <laughs> took a guy that was a top prospect that were that were that was groomed by elite defensive minds, like elite NFL defensive minds. And now Belichick Exactly with the Cole Strange thing, you get a top prospect with NFL training on a rookie-scale deal throughout his athletic prime to get him in the fourth round. That, that to me right there, it's market inefficiency, market inefficiency. He's get, he nailed that little hole in what Jack Jones was. The rest of the draft, you can, you, you, know, you can argue Pierre Strong. Like, you can go, like, people really liked him. Bailey Zapp, a lot of people didn't like that pick, but he could be a longtime backup. Who knows? Uh, and then the rest of their draft, it seems like the guards they got at the end of the draft were ranked higher than where they were picked. But overall, 
I think when you start to see the method of the madness, of course, again, I could very much, you know, be putting my blinders on. But when everybody criticizes it, you can't take it for, oh, well, that was a reach and then just leave it there. You have to try to uncover why something happened. And when you start to uncover the why of the Patriots draft, I think you start to see and, and, and above all, like speed reigns king. In the NFL, and Brendan, that's one thing you kept saying is athletic excellence, speed, athletic excellence, speed. So they did an RES draft. They just did it with names that nobody liked. And then when you start to uncover why, you start to uncover the the method behind the madness. Good analysis. That was good. That was phenomenal. I mean, every single time you step on the show, I like I truly appreciate it because you make me think about a lot of situations so differently. I mean, it's just the the athletic prime aspect is something I've never thought of, you know, come come for draft stuff. But, you know, like that makes legitimate sense, Angelo. That makes so much sense. And the way you broke it down, it just it it's like. Dang, Bill. Like, come on. Give us, like, come on, man. <laughs> Actually, y'all are making me blush. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, but, dude, dude, that was awesome. That was awesome. So, well, Mr. Mr. Bill Belichick is, uh, golly, that man is something special. He, he's listening <laughs> to this podcast, and he goes, there is a draft guy who finally understands me. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, this is that final. <laughs> Maybe, hey, Bill, please hire me. Let's go. I get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You probably you'll probably be the next Patriots GM, you know, just low key, low oh, key hired. Do you do you know how many small schools I'll have to go on scouting visits? I'm, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm gonna have to go to like Terre Haute, Indiana, and like go like try to like like Butler has this really good linebacker prospect that's good at special teams. I'm gonna be a madman in, in two months. I'm gonna go gray. That's awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think that I think that was our breakdown. Did we have any? I mean, other than Angelo, just completely changing my perspective on the draft. I mean, I feel I feel enlightened, man. I feel like I can I feel like I can go draft for a team now. But no, all all jokes aside, I seriously appreciate you guys so much, week in week out, and we we couldn't make the show happen without without everybody here. So I love doing it more than anything, and I appreciate our fans tuning in more than anything. I mean, we really wouldn't be able to do it without you guys. So. Absolutely. I appreciate you too. Angelo, thank you so much. You kicked butt today. Ed, thank you so much. You kicked butt as always. Hey, you guys you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And I, I hope we can have you all back. I hope we can get the gang back again next week. So we'll we'll finish it out. We still got a few more a few more divisions to go through, but dude, I, I love doing these breakdowns. So I, I appreciate your breakdowns of the AFC, Angelo. I appreciate your input on on all of our picks, Ed. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, Thank both of you. Of course. So And the audience. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you guys wanted to give give out your uh, Twitter handles, mine's at Brendan. So if you ever want to reach out to me on Twitter, talk some football, talk crap about the Browns, I'm open to anything, you guys. So uh, once again, at Brendan, And then altogether, we are at NFL Draft Blitz. And that's Brendan with an A and not an E, is that yep, correct? Yeah, Brendan with an A, baby. And mine's at Angelo Media Lex, just A N G E L O Media L E X, all one one little thing on the on the Twitter handle. And then mine's NFL Draft Ed, NFL Draft Ed. Well, alrighty, folks, that wraps it up for this episode of Blitzcast. I can't wait to be back with you next week, and you folks take care. <laughs>